1: to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now here's your host, Sharon Kleina.
0: I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. I'm Sharon Kleiner. Our show is about the power of water. What? How could we possibly live without water? So as you're listening to the show and you're thinking about yourself, and your everyday life and the earth to go on for thousands and thousands of years and live with the solar system, water, water, water is the most important part of your everyday life. And I hope you're drinking 8 to 10 glasses of water a day. It's vital because your body is water. The skin is 80 to 90% water. I was doing a health fair for the YMCA here in Grands Pass, Oregon, last Saturday, and we were talking about melanoma and the skin. And the skin being 80 to 90% water, what is the problem with skin diseases, melanoma, and the problems of, of uh, cancer? Dehydration of the skin, dehydration of the body. And a lot of people didn't know that indoor conditions are really worse than outdoor conditions. That the moment that mother gave birth to the baby and the baby came into the delivery room from the pocket of water, the baby had no water around it any longer, and the baby had to, at that second, deal with the first time without the water to nourish nourish the baby, get it the comfort zone, the temperature zone, and slow down, give it more uh, the process of the of the fears that the baby could be very warm in that pocket of water. But once it entered into the delivery room, guess what happened? The dehydration began to the final day of passing on. So what are our diseases? Dehydration, diseases, lack of water. When the baby opened up the eyelid in the delivery room, the eyes at the surface are 99% water. You have a tear film over each eye at the surface of the cornea. That tear film must maintain... 99% 99% all-natural water. What is vision impairment? Lack of water. Dehydration. The skin and the diseases. Toxin. What is toxin? Not enough water. The water is, was brought to this planet to be with whatever faith you believe that the water and the life of water is a species. It's life. And it meant to keep everything alive keep it flexible, keep it detoxified, and be a solvent. 100% water, though. No added ingredients of sugar or other formulations. 100% water. It's sad to say that out of 7 billion people that we have living on the planet today and we're growing every day, that we're concerned about the overpopulation because of water. Water wars began a long time ago. And they've been going on for long, for decades. But subtly, no one discusses those water wars. And as you heard with our uh, member of the CIA that we had on the show last week, there are water wars going on all over the world, and for some reason they're not noticing that they're really in fear of their survival. They have no water. Here in the United States, it is going on under the table subtly. There isn't enough water. People are losing the water that they have. And the fear of the concern of the community, and let's call it the politico, is becoming, they put it last on the plate. It should be the first on the plate for all concerns. Life is water. When they go off into orbit and study which NASA heroes, NASA, our heroes took off to study what is happening on the surface on Earth, but what is the relationship to the orbit and the universe of Earth? Well, did you ever notice they're always looking for water somewhere else? But they're also been studying what is happening on Earth. Do you think some of these privately held companies, as much as I believe in private companies doing an enormous amount of wealth of success to make profit. But do you believe there are going to be a scientist on those spaceships to learn about the climate, the water, and all that's happening in the atmosphere of Earth like the scientists have that have been going out to Earth orbit with NASA? It's going to take them years to catch up. I was very disappointed that we didn't notice on Earth how important The, the, the spaceships have been to study for Earth to be able to last for eternity. But again, we're back to the Politico. What's on the agenda first for the emotions, the politics? So I'm kind of disagree with everyone. I think there's common sense. When you have over one billion people that don't have fresh, free water on Earth, is that, it's not even acceptable. And we have every, uh, children dying. 5,000 children dying a day without water, fresh, clean water. Their mommies have to watch their little ones die helplessly without water. Don't you feel a little guilty? I do. What is, makes uh, food grow? Water. The water in the atmosphere, the humidity is a relationship to the water we have on earth. That's at the surface of the earth, though. It can't all be in the aquifers. We've got to have a certain amount of humidity, water in the air, to survive. But indoor conditions, because of insulated windows and walls, forced air heating and cooling, the chemistry of the fabric, so the chemistry inside of the buildings is very dehydrating. It's worse than going outside. And we live a lot indoors. So let's stop and think about that today. That's the point of this show. And I'm very excited to tell you I'm back to having are gardens on, farms, garden farms. We've had them from coast to coast and around the world, the garden farms on, of the new movement of people getting back into producing gardens for commercial reasons and for home personal needs. I just met a fellow on Saturday. He grows everything they eat except for their chicken, their fish, and all that. They, he grows everything. And, of course, I'm sorry to say they use a little sugar in their home, which we shouldn't be using so much sugar. But today we're going to have Stuart O'Neill. He's the executive director of Rogue Farms. And Rogue Farms is in southern Oregon and Ashland. Farms are the next internship of of how to produce your your food. Keep it close to home. Don't let it travel so far. Our second guest is Tracy Harding, she's an executive director of Rogue Valley Farm School. It's a school to learn. How much fun from Ashland, Oregon also. In fact, it's only 45 minutes from where I'm at. My radio show each week, all this time, comes from Southern Oregon and Grants Pass, Oregon. And I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, which is our sponsor of this Power of Water show for education. But right now, we're going to listen to our sponsor. Nature's Tears Eye Mist is 100% water to supplement that surface of your eye like nutrition to supplement the eyes to give it a nutrient of 100% water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. Well, listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Stuart O'Neill.
1: Listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon at Yahoo.com. Now back to the program.
0: Stuart, are you with us?
3: Hi, Sharon. Thank you for
1: having
0: me. Well, it's nice for you to come on. Uh, Stuart, tell us an executive director of Rogue Farms. What is the Rogue Farms? And then we'd like to get to know you personally also. How did you get where you, what you're doing? Why did you decide to do what you're doing? But what sure
3: is Rogue Farm? Well, Rogue Farm Corps is an educational nonprofit based here in southern Oregon's Rogue Valley. And we have an education and training program for young farmers here in the valley in partnership with a number of commercial farms in the area as well as Rogue Community College. Um, My background is I got involved in a small-scale goat dairy operation in the Applegate Valley here in southwest Oregon um, as a farm manager and plant operator for a cheesemaking operation and learned firsthand the ins and outs of small-scale sustainable agriculture. And so when the opportunity came to apply my skills to help educate and train the next generation, I jumped at it.
0: How exciting. You know, Stuart, I've had on the show, I'm starting my sixth year, and our theme, the power of water, has taken us from all over the world. We've been in Kenya, we've been in Holland, we've been all over. And here in the United States, uh, we've had uh, subject matters on uh, eyes and ears and allergies and and uh, water and uh, Nobel Prize winners and the United, United Nations and so on and the life-threatening crisis of children dying without water. But I love these shows on growing the food. We've had experts on nutrition, scientists from Harvard and Ta- Tufts and all. And when I get to get bring people on like yourself and the way you just described the business plan of of Growing your food, the crops, the agriculture, it should be so your heroes actually. Because if we don't have our food, and we don't learn how to produce it in a healthy manner for long term, for thousands of years to come, disease would be out of control. Stuart, it, and it takes water to do more. what you're doing. Without the water, you couldn't do what you're doing, right? Right. Well, tell us on when you bring a, yeah, a people in. And probably they're not just young young people, students. You probably have all ages students, don't you?
3: That's true, yeah. Um, typically the person that participates in our program is, you know, in, a, in the 20-something range. But we've had people up to their mid-40s and 50s yeah. participate as well. So, it's becoming quite um, you know, an exciting
0: a... topic. Right. Go ahead.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, I was just well tell say, us you know, about the... what,
0: what do you teach when they come in. Oh, um, well, Sure.
3: It's a it's a really unique real world experience in the life of sustainable agriculture. Basically, we're facing uh, a looming crisis in our agriculture here in the United States. The average age of American farmers is rapidly approaching 60. Um, about one percent of the population participates in agriculture either as a business owner or a farm worker, and so we've got a real crisis looming if we want to continue to have a sustainable, healthy food system, and our program really is a hands-on, real-world experience. Um, Young people come and live and work full-time for an entire season on one of our host sites and learn the ins and outs of that particular operation um, day-to-day, you know, hour-by-hour as they go, learning everything that the farmer has to offer, and in addition to that, we offer a number of classroom experiences as well to broaden the experience and tours and opportunities for the students to visit all the other farms in our program so they get to see a few other operations besides their host site. Okay, that's the
0: student begins um, out of the classroom, well, in the classroom. What are they learning in the classroom? Let's say you flip the page, and what's the first thing you teach a student about agriculture?
3: Well, you know, actually, our first class that we do every season is the history of food and agriculture. Okay. So we take people on a you know uh, world history tour of you know starting from hunting, ga- hunting and gathering, all the way through modern agriculture, and address all the issues and problems that have taken where, root over where, where the last so years.
0: I've never thought about it before. We're in the world of agri- food uh, to grow the food, agriculture? Where was the first place on our Earth that they really, where your teacher students, where they began to study that and became very um, 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 astute and smart at how to use the soil? Where was the first place that you think in your history books that they did that?
3: Well, you know, a lot of people say it would happen in the Fertile Crescent in the Middle East, of course, the sort of cradle Mm -hmm. of civilization Mm -hmm. um, was the first, you know, uh, Evidence of human agriculture, and and there's some evidence that it's cropped up in other places at the same time. What about Holland? Um, Is
0: Holland, uh, one of the t- leading educators um, about yeah. how to produce crops and flowers, and
3: oh, sure, yeah, I mean all over the world. I would say that the you know we we show students everything from you know the the origins of human species through hunting and Mm -hmm. gathering onto becoming a more settled species and growing Mm -hmm. food on the land and not having to move around. Mm -hmm. Um, And then really what we kind of focus in on is the problems and issues that evolved um, in the post-World War II era, the consolidation of farmland and the use of chemical fertilizers and the real um, explosion of agribusiness that we've seen over the last 50 years that took us from a more traditional agricultural setting um, into what we have today, and we do that as a way to kind of showcase the fact that what they're going to learn here in sustainable agriculture with the farmers that are involved in our program is uh, a new way, is, is taking us away from the, the era that's dominated agriculture for the last 50 years.
0: And, water, so we and really, water, Stuart, water is right at the top of that focus, isn't it, because we had a uh, family he's the um, head of the uh, of a big huge uh, uh, organic growing farm and it's thousands of acres in South Dakota and how they only get four inches of rain a year but they could still grow thousands of acres with the least amount of water by the way they till the soil
3: yeah yeah there's a lot of ways to be wise with water use, and certainly right. in a place like Southwest You're... Oregon. And what have where... you been
0: learning? What have you been learning about the, that wisdom? With the water well, use? you
3: know, I, I look at one of my um, heroes in local agriculture um, here in Southern Oregon, a man named Tom Powell, who uh, is a farmer with his wife and kids, Maud and Sam and Grace, of Wolf Gulch Farms in the Little Applegate Valley here in Southwest mm-hmm. Oregon. And they have transformed what most people would probably consider to be marginal agricultural land. Um, by that I mean it's you know higher up in the mountains, it's sloped. It's not your classic bottom ba- valley bottomland soil that everybody really um, thinks of when they think of you know uh, viable farmland here. And they have very little water on the surface there at their property. And through permaculture practices and wise use of water. And, um, you know, good growing practices and drip irrigation, um, you know, they're able to grow some of the best seed crops around in this area, and they're doing it in, in what, again, what most people would consider to be fairly marginal ground.
0: And, Stuart, ground. what is so, the name of that farm?
3: Wolf Gulch Farm.
0: Wolf Gulch Farm. You know, Stuart, that's so, what's so exciting. I've uh, been studying water for over 30 years, and uh, the planet Earth's origination and the humidity in the air that's life, too not just the water on the surface. And I, I've always said that, that agriculture, food, will become the biggest business there is in the world. And if the United States, Stewart wants to get out of this uh, d- uh, deficit, start encouraging every state to get into agriculture and energy. All of a sudden everybody gets a dividend per home like they do in Alaska for participating in something that brings an economy to, to uh, independence, of taking care of itself. And food should not be so far away. It should be coming closer. It should be close to home. Now um, now that's tilling the soil, uh, that we re- we've learned from our guests about how to keep that soil fertile and keep that soil with temperature changes. By the way, you put uh, like hay and and different uh, uh, compost into the soil to keep that temperature changing when you turn that soil over. Can you tell us anything about thing about what you know about that?
3: Well, just for uh, clarity's sake, I'm certainly not an expert in farming myself. Um, I've got a little bit of experience, but, um, you know, I tend to defer my expertise to the farmers in our program. But, you know, the practices that folks utilize in our program through use of cover crop and, and manures and compost, like you mentioned, um, and minimizing the need for tillage um, and really being smart with tillage um, is an important facet of the future of agriculture. Of course, the old-school way of big business and big agribusiness, especially in the plain states of this country, is, has led to dramatic losses of topsoil and um, you know, one of the things that all the smart farmers that I know talk to me when they talk about what they're growing. Really, in the end of the day, they're growing soil, and that's what they really focus on.
0: Uh, you the know, food and a, the, the crops that you. come from it
3: are a byproduct.
0: You're growing soil is alive. Yeah, it's alive. And you're right. It, it that's what they're doing. They're they're uh, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a soil connection. And thank you. If, would you say that again? <laughs>
3: well, just that. Yeah, I mean, when I ask farmers or farmers are asked the question, people that participate in our program, um, what it is that they grow, that the the smart ones and the ones that I respect the most talk about how they're growing soil.
0: There we go. Yeah, yeah. That is so. Isn't that exciting? To stop and think about. Common sense. Uh, now, when you're teaching them to grow, what are people wanting to grow? Uh, in, your, in southern Oregon, let's say, what do you think they're going to be growing once they start producing their own farms and, and, and uh, agriculture? What do you think they're what are they wanting to grow?
3: Well, you know, there's a whole diversity of things that people are interested in growing, and, and we have a situation here in the Rogue Valley where, you know, some estimates that I've heard is maybe 1%, maybe 2% of the food consumed in the Rogue Valley is grown in the Rogue Valley. So pretty much anything, um, you know, within the confines of what can grow here. But we can grow a lot of fruits and vegetables here, um, certainly a lot of meat and dairy can be raised here, and... Um, you know we've got a good potential here in this valley and in the state of Oregon in general to grow a lot more of our food that we consume every day. There's a bit of a growing um, effort to grow some local grains here in the Rogue Valley as well. That's something that's been missing, sort of our staple foods, um, but it's coming back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I see you know lots of opportunity for young farmers to find a niche that works mm-hmm. to allow them to have a viable business and. You know, a right livelihood and grow food that makes them feel good about themselves and make some money
0: because of the of the Saturday and the growers markets we'll call them Uh, that they're taking their produce and making a a good living on selling it.
3: Yeah, there's a huge opportunity here in this community and around the country. I think to participate in in the local agriculture movement. I mean, the buy local. Is, is happening and everywhere, healthier. and more and more yeah. people are concerned about where their food comes from. And
0: Now, Stuart, um, what well, you need to know, I think, I don't know if you knew this, but we had the fish farm on. Are you familiar with them in Rogue River, Oregon?
3: I'm not, actually. Okay,
0: the fish farm, he, he came from Southern California, and, and he, he uh, had been involved with different um, golf courses, lakes, and different locations with their water systems, and he and his a friend moved to southern Oregon, and they own the fish farm. And they're doing a hydroponics in greenhouses that they, they have, they're growing in a big vat of water, enormous tank of water, tilapia. And then they have the hydroponic, the system goes through the greenhouse and grows vegetables in the water. And you might look that up on the web, everybody. The fish farm, and it to me that's a future, huge future too. Stuart, is these people getting into these entrepreneurship's of, of getting into other types of ways to grow the food other than the the, the in, outside in the fields the, in these greenhouses? Yep. Uh, I had one gentleman in New York who has thousands and thousands and thousands of square feet of greenhouses. That he's been doing hydroponics with growing vegetables in those greenhouses that can go year round.
3: Yeah.
0: And, uh, pardon?
3: I was just going to say there's a tremendous amount of innovation in
0: agriculture right now
3: and and people really pushing the envelope in lots of ways.
0: Oh, and it's it's what, and it's exciting to, especially with what you do, to hear that people are out there learning more about how to be innovative. Okay, you, how many people do you usually have, and do you have people come from other areas other than Southern Oregon to your um, the Rogue Farm Corps?
3: Yeah, we are drawing people from all over the country. Um, in fact, we're even starting to get inquiries from international folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we typically have somewhere between 15 and 25 students in the program. Um, mm-hmm. We have 11 farms in the program this year, mm-hmm. and um, each one of those farms is a host site. And um, we work a lot with the Oregon State University Extension Service here locally mm-hmm. and coordinate our classes with them. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a really great, well-rounded opportunity. And, again, there's just few and far between education and training programs and sustainable agriculture for young folks who want to learn um, and learn hands-on. So we, we're really finding that people are coming from all over the, to southern Oregon to participate.
0: And you're find, are you finding the excitement of the entrepreneur spirit of it? Uh to where they could make some money at it uh, to make have a business of their own if they learn how to do it correctly.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why, in particular, young people are interested in this is there's an opportunity, and yet it's also a very real and genuine Mm -hmm. uh, work, something that they can feel proud of. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, you know, we don't give young people in this country enough credit. We think they're all plugged into their computers and technology, um, and certainly that is happening, but I think there is quite a bit of interest in returning to a more authentic and genuine type of life, and working hard on a farm is one way to do that for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Are you finding a lot of these people, when they leave the the education you're offering, do they go really back and start in doing it, or is it just something that they wanted to become more knowledgeable about. And have you heard of any entrepreneur stories that you would like to kind of brag about the success of what they did?
3: Well, you know, a lot of the farms, even a few that are here in our program, um, there's two farms in our program, Meadowlark Family Farm in Ashland and Buckhorn Springs outside of Ashland. And both of those farmers that are now the owners and operators of those businesses got their start as interns on another farm in our program. So Mm -hmm. um, it really is a cycle. You know, I think there are our program really is an entry-level stepping stone um, opportunity, and quite a few people try it out for a year and decide, hey, you know, I'm really interested into this sustainable Mm -hmm. agriculture and and the local food movement, but, boy, farming's really hard work, and I'm just not sure I'm cut out for it or it's not really Mm -hmm. my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Um, But those folks tend to, you know carry the experience forward and participate in some shape or form, whether it's through other work in their life or just their own personal choices in furthering this movement and being a part of it. So I would say we capture 100% of the people that participate in some capacity and, you know, a few or a handful or, you know, a, a, some percentage continue their education and experience and... And uh, from those that continue their education and training, uh, n- a number of them end up becoming farmers on their own. And that is the goal. We want to train the next generation, um, and we want people to become owners and operators of their own farm businesses, whether here in the Rogue Valley or back home, wherever they came now, from. Now, do you
0: have, you know, the Valley of the Rogue has here been known for, past, for famous all over the world, for gladiolias farms, the flower gladiolus. Uh, for the hop fields, growing hops in the old world, the irrigation system came in because of the, be- the beet farmers that were so enormous, acres used for all kinds of things. Are you finding that you're also training people to become uh, entrepreneurs at growing large fields of flowers and large fields of other, grapes, other things other than something that we' think about that would be common, are they learning to do other things other than just the produce the uh, the corn or the wheat or are they learning to do other ways to raise uh, like flowers or different things on to rate, to make money
3: Sure, yeah, I mean a number of the farms that we work with are are very diverse in their operations mm-hmm. and um, you know include all different types of of crops from mm-hmm. flowers to seeds to produce to mm-hmm. Um, you know, meat and dairy, so um, I think one of the keys to the future of sustainable agriculture, and one that we like to press is that diversity is really important in on mm-hmm. the farm, and you can 't really just be focused on one particular thing, both for the economic side but also just the diversity and the, and the health of the All environment different seasons
0: we 've had on here the uh, up north in northern Oregon the farmers who pre- specialize in growing lavender.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it was really a good show, I felt. Uh, I got a lot of fun listening to how they were made it into an agriculture and, and made money at growing yep. lavender and it's becoming pursued all over the world, growing yep. lavender. We only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, when people want to come and look for you, where do they go to find your uh, org? is that it?
3: Yeah, roguefarmcore.org um, is our website and has lots of information about our programs. Um, for anybody who's local listening, we do have a couple of events coming up this week. Actually, um, we're showing a documentary film about the young farmer movement in, the, in America called "The Greenhorns," mm-hmm. um, and we're doing that tomorrow, Tuesday, in Medford at the SOU RCC Higher Education Center at six thirty, mm-hmm. and again on Friday, May fourth, at the Ashland Community Center. Are so do you, put that on,
0: do you put that on the web for social media or also Yeah, in we've got, well, that's so
3: on our can... website. It's also on okay. our Facebook page. We're at Rogue okay. Farm Corps on Facebook as well, so people can okay. find us there.
0: Okay. Well, I want to thank you for joining us today. And you, uh, it, it's a lot of fun to hear about it, and I think everybody just gets this wishing that they could go out and start growing their own uh, produce and some different things that they could go and, T- t- their hands could pick and touch and uh, put put on their table knowing that they grew it. Well, Stuart, thank you. And you tell everyone I said hello. Thank you, Sharon. And I wish you well and be well, too. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it is a coming thing, getting out and growing, getting to know the life of the soil. It's live, the soil. And people are getting excited. I know on Saturday when I did... World the Health Day at uh, the YMCA. One of the men that came through, I met him last year in his family. He retired a few years ago, and now he has a greenhouse, and he's, he's, got, he's got his above-the-ground um, beds in for all of his own vegetables, and they eat everything he grows. They hardly have to buy anything except for their fish, their uh, poultry, and their meat, and whatever else, of course. But that they do it right from their own home. He does it. And he's learned hydroponics, and it's been fun. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist. Did you know that when you have gritty, scratchy, fatigued eyes, blurring eyes, vision impairment, that your eyes are dry? Nature's Tears Eye Mist is all natural to supplement the dry eye with just a mist, 100% water. All natural. No preservatives. Exciting. Just a miss. And by the way, gals, it doesn't run the cosmetics. It absorbs and softens the crow's feet. Well listen to our sponsor, Nature Sears I missed, and we'll be right back with Tracy Harding.
2: Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you.
1: The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. listening to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Hour at yahoo.com. That's Hour at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program.
0: Tracy, are you with us? I am. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what, Rogue Valley Farm to School means and then how you got what you're what you're doing. What you why did you why are you there doing it? Sure, I'd be happy to. So
4: Rogue Valley Farm to School is a small nonprofit offering services in Jackson and Josephine County. And what we do is to help educate children about the food system through hands-on farm and garden programs. We also work to increase local foods in the school meal programs. And generally, we're working to inspire an appreciation of local agriculture that improves the economy and the environment of the community and the health of the community members. Um, We've been doing this at various levels for about a decade, more intensely, more broadly, and offering more programs in the last few years. And I've been with the organization for um, a little over three years now.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And what were you doing before you started that?
4: I've been working in the small farms program at OSU Extension, and mm-hmm. I've also been working with the growers' markets and okay. uh, doing farm and food advocacy work for probably 20 years now.
0: Okay. Now, do you go around to the YMCAs and what, during their health day and help them l- teach the children about the farms and, and, and the, uh, growing, uh, the, growing the food?
4: We don't have any uh, official partnership with any YMCAs,
0: we because did we just have, had um, uh, the, a presence
4: at the weekend event yeah. that they did.
0: Yeah, they just had the health. day. They have every year the health day fair for all the yeah, kids. Yeah, and uh, we've
4: participated in that in the past, but we have not partnered any programs where we're working with them. But we are talking about it.
0: Oh, you should. The kids are just so hungry, and the parents are—they're uh, so in tune because they came there just for that and. And uh, I know I just did one again for melanoma in the skin. I'm the founder of Save a Child's Life Foundation to recognize melanoma in children in time and better education for that. And the children are so receptive, and they're running around excited. The parents are excited, and it's just a, a, a neat day where children can learn more about their health. But they have the face painting, and they have other things, too. But, boy, what a time to get the kids uh, excited about the soil and and how to grow something. Right. Now, when you say uh, also the school, what is the average age of this when you have people come and enroll into the school?
4: Well, we are not a school. We are a nonprofit offering services to
0: schools. Okay.
4: Um, and the average age of the students that we um, encounter is probably third through fifth but we do have programs and curriculum for kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm-hmm. It's harder to work with the older kids because their schedules are a little tighter. Mm-hmm. Generally, uh, um, a field trip with Rogue Valley Farm to School where a school classroom goes to one of the farm sites that we offer programs on is about mm-hmm. three or four hours. So okay. it's a harder chunk of time for a high school or even a middle school to accomplish because they're in these shorter blocks of time. hmm
0: now, I noticed you have summer camps. What is a summer camp?
4: Uh, we do. We have a couple different things going on in the summertime. We partner with Kids Unlimited, which is a nonprofit in Medford, to offer summer camps, and mm-hmm. those camps um, vary. There, We do food preservation, and we take the kids from the field where they're harvesting at our farm site in Medford, and then they go to market on Thursdays and sell at the growers' market. Mm-hmm. And then we just have... Um, shorter morning-long programs on the farm in Medford in partnership Mm -hmm. with Kids Unlimited. We also have Mm -hmm. summer camps that we host um, without Kids Unlimited, and this year we're doing a camp for younger children at Eagle Mill Farm in Ashland, Mm -hmm. and then we have several camps at Rogue Valley Brambles and Talent for children who are 7 to 10 years old, and this year for the first time we're offering an overnight camp for 8 through 11-year-olds that is also at Rogue Valley Brambles and Talent. Mm
0: -hmm. How exciting now when they go to these locations and, and get to see uh, a, 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 far, a particular farm experience, what, what type of, what are they looking at? Are they looking at vegetables, flowers, wheat, corn? What are they learning about it when they get there?
4: Okay, so we currently have four, agricultural production operations for farms that we contract with to offer our programs on their farm. And that's Eagle Mill Farm in Ashland, Dunbar Farm in Medford, Rogue Valley Brambles in Talent, and White Oak Farm in Williams. Mm -hmm. When um, when children are at Eagle Mill Farm, it's primarily vegetable production, but there are also a lot of flowers grown at that site and grapes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dunbar Farm is a very diverse... Whole farm, mm-hmm. so they're seeing a little bit of animals, um, mm-hmm. but they are seeing wheat production, and they do grind and cook with wheat grown on the farm there. Mm-hmm. At Rogue Valley Brambles, it's more of a livestock operation, so they're having exposure to dairy cows and pigs mm-hmm. and chickens, and they get to collect eggs and they cook with the eggs. And um, each of our farm sites has an outdoor kitchen. It's important to us that the children are having a full experience from. You know, accomplishing some of their schoolwork, which is important to their teachers while they're on the farm, by developing curriculum connected to state standards and offering lessons in all subject areas, but also harvesting, preparing as a community, cooking as a community, and having a meal as a community. Mm-hmm. Our Eagle Mill farm site has a wood fire pizza oven, and so the kids oh. really have come to love creating pizzas there and the wheat that the flour is made from, again, comes from Dunbar Farm, and the dough is made on the farm.
0: Oh, and then at
4: Dunbar, this spring, they've been making crackers with wheat that they've ground, and they're oh, making a I vegetable look,
0: soup. Oh, I like what I hear. Oh,
4: Yeah, and at Brambles, they make cheese, and they use eggs and cook oh, frittatas.
0: What an adventure! And
4: uh, so, yeah, for a lot of kids, they haven't had a real cooking experience, and they're pretty excited about it. And, and you know, as you said, about the kids at the Y, they're they're pretty excited. Sometimes they arrive on the farm and they're apprehensive about they being dirty in individual... or encountering insects yeah. or whatever it is that they might think they don't want to encounter, which can even be vegetables. But sure. by the time that they've spent their four hours yeah. there and really actively engaged in the process of preparing a meal together, they're always, almost always, completely thrilled to be eating what they're eating and anxious to have more.
0: You know, are are they coming in individual cars? they come in by a bus? Uh, How do they get there?
4: Well, it does vary, and um, transportation can be an obstacle to schools when looking at field trip opportunities. Sometimes Uh the distance is too far and the cost of a bus is too far. We've created some some pretty fun ways for kids to get to the farm. Some of the Ashland schools walk to Eagle Mill Farm, one of the schools that's on the other side of the town, of town walks one way so they do a four-mile walk to come to the farm and then they get rides home for parents.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. We've
4: worked with bicycle safety educators to um, incorporate a destination of the field trip on the farm into their bike safety education so the class will ride together to the that's farm. Awesome.
0: Oh, um, there
4: are other opportunities for walking and biking and that's part of the reason that it's important to us to have a farm site in each community where, our, where the kids can engage first for transportation ease. Or maybe not first, but partly for transportation ease, but but so that that p- farm is is in their community, so that is a mm-hmm. farm that they have perhaps gone past or been familiar with by name. Whether it's because that farm is also putting food in their cafeterias, or that farm is at market, oh, or they go to, go, they they go to farm the grocery name, store with their parents store. and
0: they get a chance to real, find out more about how that got there. Yeah, exactly. Right. How to how to right. shop for your produce and your meat and your eggs and And your dare, Alice, I mean, they learn. Can you imagine the impression upon, because I'm a believer, Tracy, um, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, and I'm a believer, don't go to the medicine cabinet, learn more about nature and be proactive about your health. But that kind of education is so exciting for children to get them when they're young get them in, influenced and you never know you might be at one that'll grow up and be a farmer they could be doing they could own a grocery store because and, pr- and be like the whole food store group or the market of choice or the ashland food co-op or whoever out there or they grow up being uh, a scientist that wants to study more you don't know who you're impressing about right. that experience so we're
4: very lucky here in southern oregon that uh, Southern Oregon University has an environmental education master's program, and so mm-hmm. all of the educators that work for Rogue Valley Farm to School mm-hmm. have master's degrees in environmental education, and I think I can speak for the whole crew of us that we all believe exactly what you just said. You never know what little piece is going to be held
0: exactly. dormant
4: or active in the brain and have an impact on a child's thinking. I mean, we really hope that we're helping kids And even the volunteers who are helping us on our programs and the parents that the kids go home and talk to these things about, we're really hoping that we're helping them form the capacity to make healthy lifestyle choices.
0: Ah, And that can become so vulnerable to the world. You know, Tracy, uh, I've said we've had organic farmers that have thousands of acres from uh, South Dakota on here. I've had uh, hydroponic specialists from New York, on here, who had thousands of square feet of greenhouses that they were growing with water, and 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 you've you've have you heard about the fish farm in Rogue River? We've had Farming them on Farming fish. Here. Yes. Yeah, it's a very exciting yes. future, and um, we've had I've had heads of Forest Services and Yellowstone National Park director of all the park, and we've gone into Washington, we've gone all over the United States, and had these park directors, and talking about the young children going to become uh, junior, junior rangers, and, and a lot of these people, when I talk to them, Tracy, they'll say the person who heads the whole park, what got you where you're at? And they said something in my childhood. I'd, I, it's just something I wanted to do when my family used to go on a p- hike all the time or we'd go here and there, and I wanted to grow up and be a park ranger and be involved. And you're saying, too, that this influence with the children, you don't know which one is thinking, I want to grow up and do this.
4: Right, and they yeah. might not know it yet.
0: Of course not. No. Well, we don't. We have a little few more minutes left. Uh, is there something that we're missing out that we I haven't asked you that you think that the world because we're this is World Talk Radio, we're in, syndicated with Apple iTunes, so the world is listening. And um, is there something there on what you believe uh, from your Rogue Valley farm to school? That people all over the world should be considering that you've learned what what is what is the influence with our uh, with our agriculture and our home food, the food we put on our table. What are we What are we learning?
4: Well, I think uh, through the increase in uh, all kinds of health problems, and very specifically with childhood obesity and asthma and attention deficit disorder and those kinds of things, I think it's it's time for folks to face the facts that our nutrition highly influences our behavior and our health and um, modern conveniences of microwavable fast food, uh, you know, convenience packaging is, is not helping anyone. It's creating a lot of landfill waste. It's creating a lot of poor health and um, understanding where your food comes from and eating whole fresh foods is really critical.
0: Oh, it's vital. In fact, I've had a author, many authors of books on here. One of them recently, I just had a Dr. Caldwell Esselstein, who's the author of To Prevent Heart Disease. And he was saying, too, uh, that the world needs to understand what you put in your mouth is vital to your life. It could even prevent heart disease, it could prevent diabetics. If you're even already in heart trouble or a diabetic, or have these other symptoms, you could probably get rid of them by just what you eat. And people right, and so never people thought of it that common sense. Pardon?
4: Mm-hmm. People make the argument that um, the kinds of foods that I'm advocating for are too expensive. I'm saying and believe that health care is too expensive. And so You're right. you Good can make you. a
0: choice Good for you, Tracy. to
4: eat, eat healthier and cleaner and maybe spend a little bit more money up front most beneficial would be to spend it directly with the farmer and then you'll have reduced health care costs later.
0: Exactly and you're right about uh, the money. I'm glad you brought up the money because people are not healthy and they're spending a ton of money uh, rushing to the doctor over everything because they're not sure what's going wrong but they're not blaming their own personal lifestyle choices and number one when you get out of bed in the morning, what's the menu for yourself the day for the whole day? Now I had a doctor Alan Taylor from Tufts University in Boston on here, worldwide fame on what what you eat is your eyes, even the vision impairment, the diabetic problems, and he has been teaching too that what you eat every day is vital to everything about your life. I don't every moment of your life is what you're eating. People have to learn to want to learn. Thank gosh for the internet and the relationship of it. You can go in, and if you think that you've got an itch on the toe, go in and learn what's the nature to the itch on the toe, or certain certain things that you've never thought about. What could be causing it? You could get up with pain in the leg one day and think, well, huh, maybe it was something you ate that caused a digestive problem,
4: or in in a way that I know that you're happy to talk about what you're drinking.
0: Oh, water, sure. yes. I've been studying yes. water, Tracy, for 30 years. I mean, <laughs> I have gotten the world out there is so interesting. Um, I often have to tease everybody. How would you have liked to have started your career telling people that that the air is dry and that you need to drink water and be learning how to hold in your palm of your hand like Stephen Jobs taught everybody how you can hold something in the palm of your hand and have a mobile device? I did it with Humidity and misting with a mobile device of supplementation because the air is not clean as it used to be for the humidity. So, yes, water, 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 water is water,
4: beverage. Right. Folks are drinking soda and juice and
0: all kinds of, of
4: choices of what to drink, and none of it's going to help you like water will.
0: Well, water is a solvent. The plan of Earth's faith is the water is going to keep everything alive, and it is a solvent. And, uh, I'm, I'm in the medical field with what we do, but, uh, out there, but pharmaceutical side of it all too. But I, I've always been leery of the word healing, but water is a healer. It was the plan of the earth to give it the solvent to keep a healing process moving and progressing. And one thing they've learned too, Tracy, is sugar. It's probably one of the worst things that ever happened. We got over carried away with what tasted good in our tongue, uh, and it became an addiction to us to cause other addictions, is sugar. And Dr. Taylor said, and every doctor I've had on scientists said, sugar, we've got to learn to get rid of a lot of sugar in our diet and get back to what you're teaching in your school is the fresh. Make things fresh every day to be able to survive and live and and now, when you're teaching in your school, before I let you go, I hope you're put water at the top of the agenda <laughs> without water enough, nothing Well, we gross. never
4: serve anything else to drink but water.
0: Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Now, have you always lived in Southern Oregon?
4: No, I uh, moved here about 10 years ago from Chicago.
0: Oh, from Chicago. Okay, I've been to Chicago many times. In fact, I've done some television shows there, but... Yeah, so when you grew up in Chicago, did you grow up in this, in, in outside of Chicago or in, in the city?
4: I did grow up outside of Chicago in the heart of uh, dairy land.
0: I've been out to the farmland, yes, areas, yeah, yeah, for other reasons, for going to a corporation to do business. But. Uh, now, and we've got a couple of minutes left, about a minute and a half. Tell our audience about where to go to find you. And uh, if they want to learn more about what they could do in their own communities and think about duplicating this opportunity. Okay, well, Rogue
4: Valley Farm to School is on the internet at at Mm rvfarmtoschool.org. And there's a national farm to school network on the internet. Just if you just Googled farm to school, you would find yourself there. And it'll link you to all the farm to school programs. Currently, every state has a some sort of farm-to-school something going on. Each farm-to-school program is autonomous and operates as it best serves its community and the resources of its community, but it's a great way to find local operations. And the farm-to-school movement as a whole has been very generous and open and available to helping anyone start any kind of initiative they would like to, be it a school garden or um, the kinds of field trips we do or education in the classrooms or impacting the choices that are made in the food service.
0: Now let's say they're in a different state. What, which, how would they? Would they look up farm to school, farm? Just uh, farm to school,
4: and there's a map, and you can click on click on your okay. state, and it'll show you exactly okay, what's where going in your state in your
0: you state. can get that opportunity.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Well, you're living in a good place for opportunity. You've got some good things over there. I love the Ashland Food Co-op. Uh, they've donated to save a child's life over here many times, and then um, you've got Market of Choice. <laughs> Some good stuff over there for shopping, right? right. And... well, thank you for joining us. You have a nice day. Thank you, Sharon. And have thank a good you. season coming, Tracy, and you be well thank too. You. Thank you. Bye. Well, we've learned how to to get involved in your um, farming, and you, and did you know we've had on our show where you can do it in your kitchen? We've literally had on our show uh, an organic farmer. That did kitchen gardening, and he had his greenhouses, but he invented kitchen gardening. So there's kitchen gardening, and then there's a the gardening. You can do, grow your own sprouts in a jar, and then now it's a season in America where you can start growing something in your little spot, whether it be your balcony or out in a tiny little yard to have your uh, own little garden and grow your flowers or just your own produce or your own little finger uh, lettuces, and there's so much to do today. And as we're learning, if you go to your uh, uh, a, a Grange Co-op, you can go to the different uh, places to learn uh, how you can get provide yourself with whatever space you have available to grow what you want to grow and make it with your fingertips something that is healthy for you. And it's nothing like tasting fresh. I'll never forget, you know, I've been years, since I had had uh, fresh potatoes from the ground. And uh, we put on the Rogue Riviera here for Save a Child's Life, and everything we did uh, with that auction and dinner was fresh vegetables, fresh everything, fresh-caught salmon. And there's nothing that tastes better than close to home, fresh. Well, I want to thank you all for listening today. You know, World Talk Radio, Voice America, Apple iTunes, make this possible for me. I'm starting my sixth year, and I really think we're growing. And there's so much to offer here for all of us to get together. And come to my Twitter. Go to SharonKleina.com. Uh, Sharon Follow my f- Facebook and Twitter and our, on our Apple iTunes with World Talk Radio and Voice America. Let's do this together. Let's humiliate the people in those kind of world out there that's not making fresh water for free for all children and their mommies of the world. How do I thank you? Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave something special behind from you. Let everything grow with your footprints. I want to thank you for listening, and you be well.